John came to Jesus complaining about these people who claim to be following him. They're doing things, they're do healing people like Jesus, but he was not one of them. So John says to Jesus, we tried to stop him. What do you think? Jesus said, well, don't stop him. If he's doing good stuff, then he must, he must be on our side. He must be one of us. But John was determined that you had to prove that you belong. When Jesus was born, said it was, there were 613 rules of what you do, how you eat, how you sleep, how you walk, how you wash out. A lot of rules, a lot of rules. Pharisees, Sadducees came after him all the time. You're violating all these rules. You eat with these people. You walk with them. So John was very much into the society of his times. Remember last Sunday, John and James were talking about who was the greatest. Say, who do you think Jesus likes better? He likes me better than you because he talked me more than he talks to you. And when he was doing the miracles, healing the little girl, he invited me to come along. He didn't invite you. So I must be the greatest. Remember what Jesus said to them? Whoever is great among you might be a servant. Must be a servant. Servants are not high on a career goals. We don't tell our children to say, when you grow up, please be a servant. No, we tell them to succeed and go to college and get a good job. So, who is the greatest? And Jesus takes a little child and puts a child in their midst. He says, you must be like one of these. If you're going to accept me, children don't know how rich you are, how much your car costs, how much you pay. They don't know. They have no idea. They just think they're the greatest. As I told you last Sunday, my grandchild, my grandchildren call me Papo. And they say, Papo, let's go to the park. And they don't know. They don't know who's park and why and all that. Children and dogs are so accepting, as I told you last Sunday. Jesus uses that to say, you must accept the universe the way children do. They're so open. Before we tell them how different they are, we say, well, don't play with that one, and this one is different, that one is this way, and that. Before we mess them up, they're just open. They think everybody's up. They're colorblind. They don't know where you come from, that you speak strange. You come from a different country. They have no idea. That's what Jesus says to them. You, if you accept this little one, you accept me. If you accept me, you accept the one who sent me. Then you do the dance of the universe. You are in, in concert with, with, with creation. You are in concert with creation. This time, the stakes are a little higher. Jesus talks about children again. But he says, if you cause one of these little ones to sin, it's better for you if we tied a millstone around your neck and drowned you if you cause the little ones to sin. Not just you must be like this little one, but if you cause them to sin, that's why crimes against children are so, so violent. Now we have seen it in the church, in the schools, in the movie industry. We've seen it everywhere. Abuse of children is so 
I remember when I was doing forgiveness work in Rwanda, the genocide in Rwanda. We spent, we got a grant from Trinity to go to Rwanda to spend 10 days talking to genociders, people who killed people for three months. They killed almost a million people. And they, when we're talking with them, some of them were ministers and priests. We spent time with them. The hardest people to kill were children. They killed for 100 days. And I asked them why, how come? Because children think you're coming to save them. They don't know you're coming to kill them. So when they see you, they want to go to you, and you're genocide. Crimes against children are so heinous, so bad. So Jesus says, if you cause this little one to sin, beware. You're going to be, I'm going to tie cement block around you and throw you into the sea. And then he goes into body parts. This is the body parts of Jesus. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye, pull it out. If your foot, pull it out. What part of your body would you lose and still be you? If you lose your hand, if you lose your arm, you lose your leg, you lose your foot, you're still you. What part would make you incomplete as a human being? I had, a, I had surgery in, in, in January. I had an infection. And they cut my wrist. I remember how, how helpless I was. It was my right hand. I'm right-handed. And I remember saying to the surgeon, how come the infection didn't go in the left hand? I you know. He said, no, it doesn't work that way. You don't get to arrange. Say, infection, go to the left hand. I don't need it. Keep the right hand. Okay. I remember I spent six weeks. You cannot turn a doorknob. You can't shower. You can't tie your shoes. Just a little cut in your wrist. So Jesus is playing the game saying, you know, these parts of ours, these bodies of ours are, are essential. Yes, we like exercise. Every morning when I come here, there are people, people jogging every, when I come here in the morning. People jogging on here. So we like to take care of ourselves. My wife is a marathoner. She runs marathons in New York. She takes care of herself better than me. I wish I could take care of myself like she does. You know. and, her, and our daughter run mother. So the body is very important. But as important as the body is, that's not it. The body is not it. There's something bigger and more powerful than the body. Purpose. Meaning. Life. What part of your body would you lose and still be you? Jesus used kingdom talk. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. It'd be better for you to lose this part and that part and still be whole, holy. Jesus says, you must be holy even as I'm holy. He said, what? Remember when he was talking to Peter? And he says, who do you think I am? A couple weeks ago, and Peter says, you're the, the Messiah. He says, okay, Peter, you got it. I'm the Messiah. And Jesus says, but this Messiah is not like the Messiah you're used to. Jesus grew up in a time of kings and queens. Queen Esther, you just read from, from Queen Esther in which a king could order you killed just like that. Just like that. Kings were that powerful. They were divine. From Esther's time to Herod's time. Remember when Herod wanted to get married to his brother's wife and John said no? Remember what he did? What Herod did? He said, cut off his head. And they did, right there. They took John, cut off his head, and brought the platter. That's how powerful kings were. Jesus was born in a time of empire and oppression. 
I remember growing up in East Africa, our king, King Mutesa II, king of Buganda, whenever he passed by, everybody would fall down on the ground. I remember as a, king, as a kid saying, whoa, I found out that if you're a boy scout, you didn't have to do that, I became a boy scout. If you're a boy scout, you didn't have to get down on the ground. You just saluted him when he passed by. So I became a boy scout real quick time. <laughs> Kings, monarchies, divine beings, pharaohs, Nebuchadnezzar, Herod. Jesus was a different king, you see. He got in big trouble because he was talking to people you're not supposed to talk to. He was talking to women. Jesus was born in a society in which women, women's sole identity was through their fathers, through their husbands. You couldn't, you had no identity. That's the society he was born in. Remember he was talking to a woman a couple weeks ago? Jesus got in trouble all the time. He said, I did not come for a popular context. I didn't come to be popular. I came so that you may be free. Whatever is holding you, let it go so you can become holy, even as I'm holy. Holy language. What part of your body would you lose and still be you? Like a little child. To say, yes, I'm here. The universe is here. I'm here. I came from God. Jonathan Edwards, one of the great theologians, evangelist of, of America in the 18th century. And he was, this is 1722, same time as your church. Your church was 1725. About the same time as Jonathan Edwards, 1722. He was a tutor at Yale. And he said, we, they were playing with those words that we say all the time without even thinking. They were starting to talk about monarchies and the kings in England and America and the constitution and so on and how we can become human beings before God. Jonathan Edwards said, instead of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and pursuit of holiness, holiness, what would that mean if we pursued life, liberty, pursuit of holiness? What would that mean? Well, Jesus told us how. Feed the poor, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit the prisoner, and you'll be in the kingdom. That's kingdom talk. Jesus came to set us free from whatever chains we're bound by. And this morning, John comes to him and says, look, these people are not one of us. They're over there. They're not part of us. He just says, no, 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 don't do that. They are, they are part of you. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be baptizing children. Yesterday, we had a wedding. And this afternoon, we, had a, we have a funeral for Sharon. That's life. You don't get to negotiate all that. One day, you're having a wedding. Another day, you're having a funeral. Then you have baptism. Jesus knew that. He said, that's not who you are. You're bigger. You're made for this universe. He said, John, don't stop them. If they are not against us, they are for us. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let us now stand, proclaim our faith. Let us stand and proclaim what we believe with the confession, the Nicene Creed, our confession of our faith with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God.
eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended to heaven, the right hand. and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic. We acknowledge for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the body, and the life of the world to come. Amen. We have heard today of the cost of discipleship, that we may be empowered to bear the name of Christ. Let us pray for ourselves and for the whole world, saying, Lord, hear our prayer. The Church of God is fragmented, we need the healing of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray for the church. Lord, hear our prayer. The world cries out for an increase of justice and for an end to war. Let us pray for the world. Lord, hear our prayer. Our country is striving for equality and a better life for all its citizens. Let us pray for our nation. Lord, hear our prayer. Our community seeks a better sense of its gifts and more wisdom into its problems. Let us pray for our community. Lord, hear our prayer. We know many people who are sick and suffering, who have public hurt or private pain. We pray especially for Lynn, Frank, Anne, Ross, Patty, Ava, Eve, Robert, Gordon, Joel, Mari, Harriet, Justine, Ron, and the Elker family. Let us pray for those who have asked for our prayers. Lord, hear our prayer. Our lives have been enriched by the lives of all those like Moses, the elders, and the disciples who have gone before us in the faith. This day we remember especially Sharon McClary Lavatory. Let us pray for the grace to be disciples. Lord, hear our prayer. I invite you to name, either silently or aloud, those for whom you pray.
We are thirsty, O merciful God. Give us a cup of water to drink. Hear our prayers and answer our cries of need through your Son, Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.